Hello and welcome to Pixel Sift. If this is the first time you're listening to the show, welcome. On Pixel Sift, we speak to those creative minds who make really interesting projects, things that are of big scales, of small scales, all sorts of stuff, and we ask them about what it's like to make things. And on this episode, we're joined by uh, a guest who's been on the show before. Uh, in the past, they were talking about a game called Stone, which was just dripping Australian influences and culture. We, of course, are talking about Gregory Loudon uh, from Convict Games. Greg, thank you so much for joining us again. And today we're going to learn about a brand new game from you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really excited to be here. And yeah, uh, we've got a new game to announce and uh, share a bit more info with everyone. And that game is called Burn. Uh, it is a, a musical-inspired game. There's a storytelling. It's branching narratives. We're going to learn all about that. And my guest on this, uh, my co-host on this episode, of course, is Adam Christou. Adam, thank you for being part of this episode of Pixel Sift. Hello, hello, hello. All right. With no further ado, let's jump in. Hey there. If you're enjoying the show and you want to hear more, subscribe to Pixel Sift on Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, or listen on pixelsift.com.au. See you there. Now, Greg, for people who haven't come across this game before, and they may not have heard it because it's literally the first debut, they may be only just the first time they've come across it, what is Burn? How do you describe it? Yeah, well, this is actually the first interview I get to talk about Burn. So Burn is um, essentially another passion project for me. So um, basically when COVID started, I realized that there was a bit more time and I had this idea that kind of been banging around in my head about the story of a pop star and essentially the story of a pop star and uh, the psychological stuff that happens with it, but also just uh, a lot of the other things that come along with that baggage. I've always had a big fascination with the music industry. I spent a lot of time watching music cinema, uh, music documentaries, music interviews and everything. And I just pictured it's such a great setup to explore a story. And from there, uh, I just started writing. And the other thing from it all was that with Burn, I also knew I wanted to do even more of an interactive story. So with Stone, it's a Aussie hip hop stoner noir where there's a hip hop loving uh, homosexual koala detective who basically is out looking for his lover. And with this game, it's a pop star at the turning point of her career when she's 27 years old. And you basically see her story via flashbacks from her debut when she was 17, her establishment when she's 24, and her climax at 27. So um, yeah, basically wanted to take what was originally more of a linear story in Stone and really expand it and add a lot more replayability. I think the thing I found with Stone was that a lot of people finished it, which was amazing, and a lot of people liked it, but I didn't think there was as much reason to replay. So what I wanted to do with this one is I wanted to create a story game everyone would finish and I think something that's even more true to interactive storytelling. So a game doesn't end with one ending. In the case of Burn, it ends when you have them all and you have all the puzzle pieces. Then you can try to decide which one's real, which one's not, uh, and vice versa. So, yeah, a bit of a deep dive, but that's that's the genesis and the ideas of the project. Thinking about it, 
when we last spoke to you, when we spoke about Stone, um, when that game came out, and now at the place where you're making Burn, um, was that a function, that limited function and limited scope originally, was that just a resource and time function? Or, and now that because you are in a better spot, you can actually make something more? Or are you just better at making games now? Um, I think uh, it's, it's always, it's about learning and process. So for me, Stone was a big learning process. It was the first independent uh, game that I've made. I've been very lucky to work on a bunch of other games as well. But as it was independent, there was a lot to learn. Traditionally, I always just focused on the story. But with Stone, I had to focus on the publishing, the PR, like every other aspect of it as well, which I loved. Um, whereas with Burn, I have all that experience. And I also have the experience of um, wanting to do something, like I said, that has a bit more um, replayability, a bit more levels of story. The thing that excites me with uh, Burn is that... Uh, it's not just a single thing. It has 16 endings. So it can have actually, I think Burn has multiple genres and the soundtrack of Burn, which I can share a little bit more about is actually composed. And with that in mind, because it is a story that can be replayed multiple times, why does it always have to be the same musical score? So sometimes you play, there's black metal. <laughs> sometimes you play, when I mean black metal, I mean like Norwegian sort of heavy <laughs> Sometimes you play, there's like uh, Berlin sort of post-New Wave, so kind of like uh, early Nick Cave, like birthday party. Sometimes you play, uh, we have techno. Sometimes you play, of course, as I love hip-hop as much as other things, we have hip-hop. So it was about wanting to create an even more expansive and even bigger and just really asking like what's really special about games as a medium and then allowing players to experience it. Because when you watch a movie or you read a book, it's kind of set. There's one ending, but with a game, there can be as many as you want because time is, it can stretch. So, um, yeah, that's a bit more info into it all. Yeah, I'm, I'm really keen to sort of dig into this because I think that there's an interesting elephant in the room sort of decision that you've made with this game, which is that I don't think that we're actually going to hear much of Nina Burns' actual music herself. We're going to experience, I guess, the emotion or the tenor of that music through the score that you've you've produced that's going to be, I guess, changing and shifting with the narrative. And I, I was kind of curious, like, what led you to make that decision um, was it sort of a thing where you wanted the audience to imagine what Burns' music was? Like, please, I'm super curious. Tell me a bit more about that. Yeah, I think it's the sort of thing where um, the setup is you're the biggest pop star in the world. You're a global phenomenon. Millions of followers, billions of streams, billions of eyes, billions of attention. So with that in mind, no matter what music, it could never really capture that. I don't think it's kind of like it's better to imagine the thing than do it. And I'd say as well with Burn, similar to Stone, uh, they're both uh, character studies. So they're both deep focuses on a singular character that you can explore and learn from. And ideally, there's deeper metaphor and other stuff you can extract. So for me, it was about it was a challenge that was so big that trying to create a song that would be <laughs> worth or music, a, a musical soundscape. Whereas creating a score that scores and orchestrates and follows the emotion made a lot more sense to me. And uh, I think all, what I would say is, I think part of the puzzle is all the different musical genres that I've shared. I imagine that's the type of music that Nina would make, Nina Byrne. She would actually be creating something that takes elements from black metal, from jazz, from all these different genres and create something truly new. But how she got the opportunity to create it, that's something you'll have to find in the game. It may be she got it from a source. 
Yeah, I'm I'm super intrigued by that as well. And I'm I'm kind of curious, like, where in time is this narrative? And who is Nina Byrne? Like, who was she inspired by as well? Is is climax the I guess the final moment of the the story where she's age twenty seven? Is that in the now or like where in history is is this story taking place? Sure. Yeah. So in terms of the timeline for both Stone and Byrne, they're actually both contemporaries. So um in our trailer, which I recommend you watch, we have some uh, music by Jonas uh, uh, Turner, our composer, who worked on this classic sort of Tormentor Punisher. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's like this metal sort of um, shooter. It's awesome. So when I heard that, I was like, and then I saw that Jonas also did other music. I was like, this is a composer who can do everything. They can do electronic. They can do everything. But anyways, nonetheless, but um. With, with Nina in terms of time, it's contemporary. So in the trailer, we actually have her wearing a mask because that's exactly when I wrote it. It was during the COVID lockdown. And I was like, well, it makes sense to me that I only know all the musical genres that have come up to now. So if I want to create a musician of creating future music, like their inspirations would be of a similar point. So it's contemporary. Um, however, it does go back in terms of the years and you kind of, each time you replay, you see the chunks from, her debut and otherwise. And sometimes you'll see them again. Other times you'll see new things. And sometimes what you say in one of the chunks will actually cause another element to arrive. So it is, it's linear, but it's also non-linear. You're not going to see beat, 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 beat. You're going to see one beat from here, one beat from there, and you'll have to figure out the rest. Can we tell, talk a little bit about the actual type of game that you've made? What's the interaction like? Um, is it set closer to it being a visual novel? Is it more like uh, sort of a 3D point-and-click adventure like Stone was? Where, where does the game actually play? Yeah, so it, it does play differently to Stone. So I think, to me, I like to call it an interactive story. Um, so I think it probably, if anything, it has a closer relevance to like a visual novel where essentially you are interacting via dialogue. We will have other interactions, so it does have point and click. So when you're in, for example, Nina's bedroom, you can like zoom into things, so it does have the point and click aspects. Um, but it is, it is not the same as Stone. It's not a full interact in a 3D space. Actually, the trailer you see is how the game looks. Um, that's something that we decided with Francois, was we really wanted the art to be very, very strong and come through. And we kind of decided that within our means, the strongest way we could do it was with really strong animations. So essentially, you're watching these really um, these animated moments with strong voiceover, as we had in Stone, with multiple characters. Funnily enough, the characters of Byrne is Nina Byrne, uh, some music journalists that interview her, and some other characters. So that's something else that I've noticed following musicians is usually your way to access them is through a journalist. And usually over time, you see them interact and you see their relationship change. So that's another aspect that has been added. But yeah, I'd say it's a lot more inherited to a visual novel, but I like to think it's something a bit new as well. The same way that Stone took the uh, third person sort of camera and then also had the point and click, but created a lot more of what I like to call an interactive story. So yeah, don't expect... uh, lots of gameplay or any of those sort of things. It is a lot more of a mood and uh, to me, a new way to tell a story that I think is more interesting than other means we have. 
I mean, just mentioning that that the access uh, to a particular, you know, one of the biggest celebrities in the world, one of the biggest recording artists in the world, the immediate thing that comes to my mind is those annual interviews that uh, has been done with Billie Eilish, uh, where you kind of see how her life has sort of progressed. Was there any of that sort of influence into the storytelling of this? Uh, is it sort of framed around a certain idea of what a particular pop star is? No, I think it's relatively open. And also, um, I think it's... Uh, Nina's whatever you want it to be as well. You could make Nina into more of a darker musician in terms of music and aspects, or you could go into a much lighter sense. So I think it is quite flexible because for myself as a music fan, I love all music. Like I love, uh, I love really heavy metal. I love electronic music. I love hip hop. I like country. I love jazz. I love listening to jazz in the morning and I love listening into darker stuff in the evening. So to me, I didn't want to define that for people because I think everyone is different. Um, but what I did want to create was this uh, this phenomenon for you to kind of uh, like put yourself into and actually try to understand and see see why Nina is who she is and see why she isn't. Yeah, I, I find this sort of, of of character exploration really fascinating in games. It's it's that sort of defined character that you can kind of sort of role play with. I like to think of The Witcher Three as a really good example of that. Geralt is like a a really well-defined character, but you can kind of nudge him in different directions and experience slight differentiations of, of what he's like. What is it like writing a character where you have to, I guess, create all these various dimensions of who they could potentially be, which are all part of the one facet, but for, I guess, someone playing this game through once, they only have one version of Nina Byrne that they experience. How do you go about making that cohesive? Yeah, good question. I think for me, it is about like everything, trying to get into the character's head and trying to think about who they were, where they want to be, like what are their goals and ambitions and what is stopping them, like what has happened in their past or what is happening ahead. So at least for me, it was also about wanting to create sort of two distinctive paths that you can kind of go through that do keep escalating based on your decisions. So we say that we have 16 endings and uh, we do have varieties of them. I think it's up to the player to decide where they land. But the way when I was writing was things can go really well, they can go pretty bad, or they can go ugly. So good, bad, ugly in terms of like the different ways that this can progress for Nino. So at least for me, I knew I had that um, spectrum to play with. And then it was about going there. And when I was writing as well, I always knew that sort of endings that I wanted to do. So it was a process of like connecting the two and trying to create it as naturally as possible and also using um, the other side characters to investigate that or instigate it or be the catalyst or also be the ones, the catalyst, but also the turning point. So they can also be the point that takes you back from that path and you can go down onto another path. Hmm. It almost reminds me of like the very classic kind of Bioware style alignment systems in RPGs where, you know, you've got Paragon Renegade and Mass Effect, or you've got Light or Dark Side in, in Knights of the Old Republic. And in, in this game, you've picked Humble or Arrogant as kind of two main branches. What made you land on those? And has it been difficult to kind of write to those? Or do you feel constrained or freed by them? Or uh, Yeah, well, I think that kind of came from Stone. So we had like soft touch or hard ass. Um, so basically Stone could be like pretty rude or he could be uh, pretty pretty friendly with it. So to me, it was also about with Burn was that we do have, this is the second game by Convict Games and we do have this thing that we've created. And I think some of the feedback that I got from players was they, they loved that, but they wanted to see more impact of it all. So it did kind of come from that 
um, in terms of wanting to build upon what we have, but also, as you said, like explore. I think a lot of dialogue you have in games nowadays is quite the same. It's quite neutral, whereas I did want to push the boundaries a bit more and also push the performances because we do have voiceovers. So I think it's more interesting to watch and uh, play when your choices have much deeper and bigger impacts than when they're quite light. And I think that's what they did really well in Bioware games back then as well. Greg, just speaking of those sort of branching narratives in that, one of the things I remember from really old uh, point-and-click adventure games, and it seems to sort of fade away over time now, but, you know, there were lots of little minute choices that could be made that would eventually lead you to a decision, to an ending that you weren't really sure of. And it was always the conversation that you'd have around, you know, in my case, in the playground saying, well, what could you have done differently to make the ending? Is that something you really want to um, stick with in this sort of game? Or is it you're going to go for a more modern take where people have a general idea about what ending they've accumulated by the end of the game obviously we're still in development we're coming out next year but the current way we do have it is we do show you all the endings so after you finish it you can see a path so basically your goal is to try to unlock every every chunk so you do have a bit of a a graph where you can see everything and you can see oh i have one of 16 or oh man i have 15 how the hell do i get that 16th chunk and you probably maybe need to go down some weird paths to unlock that. And we do have secret stuff as well that's kind of hidden there that you need to try to create. So I don't know if we're being like, um, as you said, old school or contemporary with that, but we do want it to be that part of the story is it's not just 16 endings. You stop after one. The idea is it's told over 16 endings. So I really feel in order to understand it, you should get all these different points and uh, that way you get a bigger idea of who Nina is. I think that's the full story. So it's kind of like in life you have these turning points and you kind of wonder what would happen if I could explore that. And I wanted to take that idea as well. I think Stone could have been a very different game if uh, there was that exploration. It was something in my mind. of, But I also knew I had a very clear story I wanted to tell with very clear reference points. I'm wanting to do noir that there was only ever going to be one ending to a noir, and a noir ending is always sad. So I didn't really want to fluctuate it that much. So, um. In the time since we spoke uh, back in 2018, you've uh, been at the helm uh, in the narrative sense of uh, one of the biggest PlayStation 5 releases, Returnal. I want to know what sort of lessons have you learnt in between making that small-scale project of Stone and being in part of a team uh, in a, you know the AAA space uh, that you're going to be bringing to the development of Burn? Yeah, great question. And yeah, no, I've been really, really lucky. So my background was that I was lucky enough to work in um, bigger AAA games. So I worked on Quantum Break in the early days of Control. And then I decided I wanted to create my Australian company, Convict Games. And I wanted to create an Australian game to kind of live up to like, um, I just heard the term, term, like the Australian New Wave. It's like a term they have for films made in the early 70s. And I noticed that in Australia, there was this new wave of games that I really wanted to be part of. So hence, created Stone and wanted to build to that to show that this this, uh, Australiana type of game can exist. Um, But anyways, from there, uh, Stone came out. I am still living in Helsinki, Finland. And I did build a lot of connections. And I heard rumblings about uh, Housemark wanting to create a story game. And I always loved Housemark games. So I thought, what an amazing opportunity. So um. They, they liked Stone. They thought it was interesting. They obviously loved what I'd done in the past. And um, I thought the project was interesting. So joined Returnal and brought everything I learned from Burn and every other project. I think that's, to me, it's just a part of experience or wisdom or whatever you want to call it, is that you learn from your mistakes and you keep getting better and better and better. And yeah, I think I brought all of it. And um, 
Returnal was a really awesome project to be a part of and, um, yeah, led the narrative. So it was about taking Housemark's action and helping them tell a great story with it and also cinematics. I was a cinematics director, so being involved in that. And then, uh, like I said, COVID started, was working on both projects and um, had the opportunity with a bit more time to start thinking about Convict. And I knew that I wanted to keep creating these games. It was It's very hard to have run an independent studio and um, create these games. It's not an easy thing to do, but it's something I just felt like I needed to do, if that makes sense. Like there's this drive of like, yeah, do it. Like this is a story that if you don't make them, no one else will, and you should share it. So hence I'm putting in the effort. But yeah, definitely taking a lot of um, different influences from all of my career. And um, Burn is definitely not going to be the same scale as Returnal, but I think, uh, I hope it's as bold and as creative. Hearing about your work on Returnal, I'm wondering if you're the person responsible for some of the very cool musical stuff that was going on in that game in uh, regards to its narrative. Um, There was some, I don't want to spoil anything in Returnal, but there's some very cool things that I discovered while playing that game multiple times. I'm wondering if that was a little nod to your love of music. Uh, Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say also Harry, the creative director, he had a lot of cool ideas. But yeah, no, um, it was a real collaboration, but definitely you tell a story and everything. And I think music is one of the best storytelling mediums. And the thing I love from listening to pop stars and listening to musicians, they always call them, like my favorite ones always say they're storytellers. They're not creating music, they're telling stories. So um, using music in any game, as I did in uh, Stone, and obviously we did it a lot in uh, Remedy uh, with Quantum Break. And then obviously it was a nice thing that we decided to do with Returnal. I'm kind of curious because we're talking about storytelling, but I guess one thing that I've noticed that's going to be in this game as well, it was in Stone, was um, having a space to watch public domain classic cinema. Um, it was kind of, you know, in in Stone and it's going to be in here as well. There's going to be a drive-in. Why public domain classics? And and is, is this like a love for cinema that you want to bring to the games as maybe like a hallmark of, of your company or? Yeah, I, I think part of that. Um, I think it's also that, um, I think with Convict, even though it's Convict Games, I am trying to push like what games can be. And um, I think games can be more than just a space to, to play a game. It can also be a space to interact with the world, which I think is something that I have noticed a lot more bigger, bigger, bigger games are doing rather than small indie games. But for me, like when you play Burn or you play Stone, it's a bit like going to like... Uh, a really amazing theme park or a music festival. It's just like, or going to like an arts festival. It's like just culture. So what films from the public domain that there's access to can explore the themes of um, burn or can explore the themes of stone or just add more to that world. So um, I think, yeah, part of it's like, yeah, it's something we did before. So trying to build up that tradition, but also just wanting to um, yeah provide more cultural stuff so that you can jump into. So um, I can't talk about the movies yet. The other thing that uh, have made some short films, so probably it's an opportunity to <laughs> show those in a sense. So um, yeah, but definitely I think it's just about sharing good culture. And also there's a lot of great stuff that um, is there and um, maybe you will find inspiring because I find I find a lot of the stuff there endlessly inspiring. And the way copyright works, there's only more films being added to it, not less. So there's a lot of great stuff that, people of our generation may not know about, which if they discover it through Stone or Burn or they watch a movie and Burn and then they decide to Google and watch more, there's a lot of amazing culture to find and maybe inspiring to make a game or a song. Or 
Is that something you're excited at the prospect of eventually down the track that your games, the things you worked on, uh, will eventually pass into the public domain and then people, you know, 50, 60 years down the track might remix, uh, revamp, uh, you know, include a part of Stone in someone else's interactive 3D experience or whatever it happens to be? Yeah, I think that would be awesome. Like, I think it's um, it's a great part. It's kind of keeping keeping art alive. Obviously, when you do it, you kind of, it does give it more lifetime, but I think it's a, it's a really nice aspect and yeah, I'd be deeply flattered and like I said, it just feels like um, there's a lot of great Aussie games now, which imagine Australians in a hundred years getting a chance to play these games. It's going to be special. So really, really happy and proud to be part of that. And um, yeah, let's see. But yeah, plan on making more Convict games after this one. So hopefully they can add those as well. Um, one thing we like to ask people when they come onto the show, because we have a lot of listeners who are in the process of making their own projects, some of the advice that you would give um, to people uh, embarking on a project of, of any scale, some good overarching tips that you think makes uh, for a more successful project when you get to the end of it. Great question. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot to share. And um, yeah, I think the biggest thing is obviously uh, create something you really care about, <clears throat> something that you feel like has to be made. I think that's the story of me with Stone and Burn is that they're not just things I think are fun. They're things I truly believe in that I really want to make because I feel like no one else would make it. So I think that's a big thing for you to jump into because it is a big commitment for time and effort. Um, I think that's probably a very, very big thing. And uh, I guess the bigger thing I've learned as well is being part of bigger projects and always having that machinery that just it instantly gives it an audience. And otherwise is that you do need to build your audience. So uh, that is something with Burn that uh, we'll be doing. We're basically every Friday ahead, we'll be dropping new information about Burn, whether it's screenshots, uh, interview chunks, all this different stuff. So I think... If you are starting something new, unless you have a huge uh, machinery or IP, you're going to have to hustle a bit like a pop star trying to make their way up. I think the games industry and uh, the movie industry and the music industry are very similar now, that it is very competitive. And part of it is if you want to be successful or you want it to be a business, it is about this hustle and drive and usually working a lot to build something before you even get a chance to uh, sell it. So, um yeah, but definitely do something you truly believe in. Be prepared to hustle. And I guess number three, like, don't give up. Like, if you truly believe in something, then just keep pushing because it's worth it. And it may be only five people love it, but those five people, you probably change them and maybe they'll create something new as well. I was going to ask, where, where does scope fit into this as well? Because I imagine there's so many interesting stories you want to tell within Burn, but some don't make it to the final game. How do you know where to chop things? Ah, good question. So that's that's actually a creative decision. So um, with Burn, as I said, it's a lot more about high quality animations. So essentially, it's what you've seen in the trailer. So I don't know, do you call that 2D? Do you call it an animation? Do you call it a movie? I don't know. But nonetheless, that choice has allowed us to go really wild. So I, we haven't been restrained. It's a lot easier to do like a really strong uh, image like this than created in 3D to a caliber that people expect. Particularly indie games, they keep looking better. They're not looking worse. So for us, it was about how do we compete and also be quite bold. So um, yeah, I think with the 16 endings, it's definitely not subtle. We've really pushed out and we're using the benefits of the creative choice we've made of having these like highly detailed, interesting sort of paintings that kind of animate in order to really allow your choices to be quite magnificent, I guess, or like 
as max as we could do it within the story, I think. It sounds to me that you consume a lot of media uh, and part of what you do is sort of take in a lot. And I really want to know, it's probably still a little while before um, people can have their hands on Burn because we're literally talking about it the first day, uh, first week that it's become uh, available and been announced. But what are some of the media you reckon people should check out ahead of time, games, music and all that sort of stuff, which might uh, give them a good framing for when the, the game drops into their laps? Sure, yeah. Oh, well, I'd say um, in terms of music, cinema, um, I just say if you have a favorite band, like watch interviews with them, go on YouTube. Uh, it doesn't matter who's interviewing them. Um, just watch. And I think that's already a good thing to see because I think there's a lot of interesting conversations and perspectives and personalities that is not really kept that way. So that'd be, I think, the first uh, bigger reference. Obviously, worked on Returnal. Be wrong not to do a shout out. I'd say if you're lucky enough to have a PlayStation 5, play Returnal. Has no real connection to Burn, but at least... I've been involved in that as well, and uh, you can get an idea of some tone and personality there, even though it's very, very different. Um, yeah, in terms of music, I'd say just listen to lots of different genres. If you're a metalhead, time to put on some hip-hop. If you're a, uh, a hip-hop head, time to explore some black metal. So I'd say just prepare yourself for the spectrum. And um, I think there's a lot of really amazing stories in uh, music that um, – yeah, I'm not sure what everyone's favorite band is, but if you haven't ever watched interviews with your band or gotten to know the personalities, I think after watching a few, you'll probably want to make your own story about it as well because there's a lot of interesting stuff that's come and gone. Um, yeah, at least those be my my very high levels. Um, and uh, Go play Stone as well while you're at yeah, it. Yeah, go play Stone, of course. That's a good one. I also <laughs> checked out... Um, some Wong Kai Wai films. I'd say those are pretty special. So I'd watch those. Nice. They were definitely a reference for uh, more for Stone than Burn. But um, nonetheless, if you want some uh, interesting sort of Hong Kong 90s vibe, I'd say check out Chungking Express or uh, In the Mood of Love. I'd say that. Such a great soundtrack as well, Wong Kai yeah. Wai. Is the well, other thing is like I always think of the music that gets selected in his films. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think music is, yeah. Definitely a huge, huge reference point. I think it's awesome. But yeah, no, I'd say look up your bands and see see what they're like. And it's a bit of a, you know how YouTube works. You can just keep clicking and you can keep following and see see their first interview in the early '90s or early 2000s. See their last interview, and you can see how people change their fashion, their personas, what they can say, what they can't say. It's um, yeah, interesting. Well, uh, Greg, it's been a real pleasure to chat to you again. Thank you so much for coming uh, back on to, to Pixelsift to tell us a little bit about Burn, which is coming to Steam uh, and Xbox in 2022. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And yeah, expect more news ahead and hopefully you can come back and you can give it a play when that happens. And you can check out uh, Convict Games on Twitter or follow uh, Greg Loudon on Twitter as well if you want to find out more about that. Uh, and if you want to learn a bit more about and maybe do a bit of a compare contrast, uh, you can listen back to episode 109, 109 uh, of the Pixel Soup podcast where we spoke to uh, in length about the making of Stone, uh, which is obviously a very Australian story. Um, and it was a, I remember it being a great conversation, so definitely one to go back and have a listen to if you get the chance. Uh, Pixel Sift is produced by Fiona Bartholomeus, Nicholas Kennedy, Daniel Ang, Sarah Ireland, uh, Viv Thumb and Adam Christou. Thank you for joining me, Adam. 
Oh, yeah. Cheers. <laughs> um, Mitchell Lowe is our senior producer, and my name is Gianni DiGiovanni, and I'm the executive producer. As always, we'll be putting links to everything we talked about in the show notes on our website. That's pixelsift.com.au. While you're on there following Convict Games, why not give us a follow on all the social media platforms? We're just at Pixelsift on everything, uh, at Pixelsift on social media. Yeah, and you can also come join us on our Discord, which is where I've been a lot during lockdown number six for Melbourne. Uh, we are there. We're talking about all sorts of stuff. It's at pixelsift.com.au forward slash Discord. You can share your creative work, talk to us about games, food, YouTube spirals, anything you really want. pixelsift.com.au forward slash Discord. And share the show. It's um, it's a great way to help other people find out about Pixel Sift. Um, you can do some word of mouth, tell some mates about it if you really enjoyed this conversation. Um, and you can send them a quick, easy link. Take them to the Pixel Sift website as well if you want. That's all for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, have fun. <laughs>